3: Well, let's pick a direction. You want tree murder or Joe Scarborough? We're
4: having an off-air argument here. Yeah, go. We can play Joe. We can because it's good. It's strong. I don't want to obsess over it, but
3: I don't see how Democrats uh, do anything but bleed out their newfound support in the suburbs when they put a socialist at the top of the ticket. He's, well. He's right. Maybe the two biggest people on MSNBC. Scarborough and Chris Matthews both saying, We're gonna absolutely lose if this guy's our candidate and he's the front runner.
4: You watch That's pretty interesting. We we divide duties around here, not not like formally speaking, but it just kind of happens. Jack watches more MSNBC than I do. I tend to watch more CNN than he does. It will cost me years of my life because it's just <laughs> it's like living next to an EPA Superfund site. It's wearing I'm certain down
3: your telomeres. Yeah, I'm certain that that
4: heinous chemicals are leaching their way into my bloodstream just by watching that filth. But anyway, um, bah, da, 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 I don't watch a lot of Rachel Maddow. Oh yeah, she's, she's she's very bright and very talented.
3: You know, I love yeah, that. Left left she's the biggest star on the channel, and I, what she said about Bernie, I'm, I'm unaware.
4: Oh really? Yeah. Okay, all right. Um, so there's a political story that's kicking around some. And listen, this is file this under both parties are full of crap. It's fine to believe in one more than the other, advocate for it, you vote for it, and all, but don't be enthralled by politicians. All right, it's just
3: unhealthy. I heard a pundit on MSNBC yesterday say. Of course, it's going to be very difficult to break America's addiction to capitalism. I thought, wow, that's an interesting way to look at it.
4: Yes, it's lifted billions of people out of poverty, misery, and premature death into relative affluence and comfort. Yeah, that is going to be a tough addiction to break.
3: You use the term addiction usually to point out things that are bad for you. to (laughs) do. Wow. Wow. You wouldn't think. Well, you know what? I guess you would think.
4: Western civilization is so successful, people take it for granted. Yep, absolutely. T- and, and, you know, that's one of those expressions people throw around, but it's probably worth deconstructing once in a while. If you take something for granted, you're assuming it will always be, it has always been, and it always must be. had
3: this very conversation at the dinner table last night. Why did I have such a serious dinner table last night?
4: Dinner table events. I
3: don't know, Mitt. Let's ask him. i talked about overpaying government employees. And this. What a fun dinner table.
4: You know, um, I, I used to unleash those Ron Swanson-style screeds when my kids were in high school and middle school, and their friends would be over and stuff like that. And and I would see their friends sitting there apparently riveted or, or terrified of, of like not paying attention to the a Potter Familius.
3: There's a difference between and then I riveted glanced, and terrified. I glance
4: over my kids, and at one point, I can't remember which one it was. It was probably Declan, my son. But at one point, I, I caught him, like, sort of rolling his eyes, and I said, well, wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. This is good stuff. As you were screaming <laughs> about the flat tax. I'm, you know what, Michael? It might have been that. It might have been. Oh, and I said, I'm casting pearls before swine here. <laughs> wow. This is some solid analysis. And then <laughs> my kids open up. Yeah, 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 Dad, but I think we've heard this one before. <laughs> oh, my gosh. But so, but, oh boy. but I was talking about,
3: we? uh, you were just, uh, remarking on taking things for granted and you get used to things and think they'll be that way forever. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about that with crime. And actually it, it started with a conversation about how they, they don't punish kids in school anymore. Oh my and, gosh. And, yeah. And it, and that attitude is also the same as the way we're treating criminals. And, and I explained how when I was a kid, the crime rate was way higher than it is now for all different kinds of crimes. And everybody hated it. And so we really cracked down on criminals and bad kids in school and everything. Mm -hmm. And it got better and better and better and better and better. And then everybody got so used to no crime and no problems. They asked, why are we mean to people like this? And we started just backing off and thinking, you know, we should let bad kids be bad kids at school and criminals be criminals. And and now it's going back up again. Right. Because we got used to it and people forgot what it's like to let bad people do whatever the hell they want. Yeah. Yep. Hey, now
4: might be a good time to touch again on this. Uh, Can I add ass-
3: some potatoes, Dad?
4: Here's some essays. Response. Along with your political theory. <laughs> I want to touch again on this essay from Gerfried Ambrose, whose work I did not know, but he was a he was a rather radical political person. And now is a perfect time. You know, maybe I'm going to work a little backward. Because this this essay is so terrific. It's long. We have it linked at armstrongandgetty.com if you'd like to read it. It's many, many pages. I think it's 35 pages printed. Um, So it's half a book. Um, But he talks about, he's writing about what the philosopher whose last name is Scruton. That's a pretty name. Roger Scruton. um, He calls the born free fallacy. The view that the laws and institutions of modern civilized society reduce human freedom. He quotes Steven Pinker, who we uh, we reviewed his more recent book, um, Fantasticness Now. What, what's it called? Enlightenment Now. Enlightenment Now, now. right. Uh, but he wrote a book that was...
3: Fantasticness Now.
4: I can, I can never remember books. He in...
3: calls the Enlightenment the fantasticness.
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is better for marketing. <laughs> anyway, uh, Pinker, in his book, The Better Angels of Our Nature, Why Violence Has Declined, uh, points out that the laws of modern civilized society don't reduce human freedom. They free us from living in constant fear and danger of violent death. Much as the, much. The same is true for poverty, famine, and a host of other scourges, which have declined thanks to what the MIT scientist Andrew McAfee calls the four horsemen. Capitalism, technological progress, public awareness, and responsive government. Now, of course, if you're going to make a devil's advocate argument, you'd say, hey, get it. You're always talking about fewer regulations and, and, you know, libertarianism and the rest of it. Well, absolutely. Yeah. And, and I just think that the, the picky, picky stuff, often motivated by people who profit from it, has gone too far. We, we've gotten too obsessed with building a utopia, and we're starting to, ch- to choke off the dynamic energy of creativity that's powered the country. So it's a question of balance. But w- when we come back in a moment, the, the more broad theme of this guy's essay is what's wrong with radicalism like Bernie's and what he's pitching and why it's so attractive. And listen, if you're a Bernie fan or a super progressive, I would suggest that you listen to it if only so you can figure out how to counter it, although it might change your mind. So stay tuned for that, it's some serious wisdom if you can take it, plus a man who's suing because his vanity plate was denied by the state. Gotta love it. Yes, what did it say? Do you think it was obscene, vulgar, or in bad taste as the state uh, said? We'll let you be the judge.
3: This we on the subject of falling in love, and Joe said, can you imagine if there was a drug that made you feel like that? And we got a couple of different texts from people who said, yeah, it's called meth. I've never done oh. meth, but I have heard people say that. And a couple of people who said, yeah, it's called heroin. Yeah, and I've okay. never done heroin either. So. All right, yeah. But yeah. so if it makes you feel like you're in love, uh, no wonder it's so hard to quit. I'm glad I've never tried it because... Yeah, I got a hint... Of the opioid thing, when I was
4: recovering from my uh, surgery in November, because I I became aware, and partly it was just because I'd read about it, and so I was like, I don't know, more aware, um, that I had a feeling of, you know, everything's going to be fine when I was on this stuff. It's not just a painkiller. It gives you kind of warm, maternal optimism. Hmm, I've never had that. Yeah, I, but again, that was my second go around. And the first time it hadn't really occurred to me that that's what was happening, mm. but I felt very optimistic about everything. And yeah, I suppose if you're, you know, probably particular brain chemistry and whatever, and you react to it more strongly than I do, maybe it's like falling in love. But uh, I tell you what, how about you go find somebody to fall in love with and don't m- turn yourself weird. hard into a junkie? It's yeah, just it does take hard. some
3: work. Do I have to leave my house?
4: So I'm talking about, uh, talking uh, about this, uh, Gerfried Ambrose, uh, essay that's getting a lot of attention, and we have it linked at armstrongandgetty.com. I don't know this name. Uh, me neither. He was quite the political radical. He said, for years I believed that Western capitalist society was beyond redemption and in need of a sweeping revolution. He says, uh, broadly defined, radicalism implies a rejection of compromise and incremental progress in favor of radical change. Um, he uh, he believed that those there were those who perpetrated a system of oppression and exploitation and those who sought to overthrow it. Uh, racists and anti-racists uh, is uh, another way they're they're twisting it these days, but he quotes a couple of uh, great egg-headed writers, including uh, Roger Scruton, who we discussed a moment ago. He's got a, an essay called "The Uses of Pessimism and the Danger of False Hope," what my friend Jeff would call the positive power of negative thinking. Mm-hmm. It outlines the fallacies underlying the radical mindset. With like the best case fallacy, which imagines the best outcome and assumes that it need consider no other. That's the only thing that can happen is the best possible outcome. And the utopian fallacy, which insists that the perfect is the enemy of the good. These can be summed up under the description of unscrupulous optimism, a concept originally coined by philosopher Arthur Schopenhauer. Assuming that intentions translate directly into results, radicals tend to be unscrupulous optimists in that they operate on the premise that well-intentioned radical change, however destructive, can only lead to improvement. See the French Revolution, for instance. They forget, however, that, and Thomas Sowell put this beautifully, human societies may retrogress disastrously. Fancy word, that means get worse, go backward. He put that in his analysis of Marxism. Ignoring the dangers of retrogression can mean sliding into the belief that nothing could be worse than the existing society being criticized. This belief is reinforced by a tendency to compare the status quo, not to history, but to an imaginary future of human perfection. And any society that falls short of this fantasy is seen as an abomination. And this can lead to dangerous and false equivalencies. This is one of my favorite parts. Even though it may take a little bit of explanation. It's, it's, it it clouds the difference between democracy and autocracy, between being governed and being ruled, which from a utopian standpoint can seem like a distinction without a difference. Our intentions are great, which means our result will be great. So if we have to control you and oppress you to rule you as opposed to being governed by you or you governing us, um, that's okay. Because the result is going to be so good. Disastrous retrogression and unscrupulous optimism. That's the problem with the we're going to have a revolution mindset. You don't know how it's going to you're going to tear up everything that we count on to make things go reasonably smoothly and keep us reasonably safe. And you're promising me it'll be an improvement. Yeah, I'm not sure I want to take that cho- that chance just cuz you're a college professor and you've thought this through for instance. But again, it's it's like 37 pages long. It's super thought-provoking. Um it's full of big words. It's at com if you want ah, more.
3: What's the what is it, what's the title or it's an article or
4: Yeah, it's an article mm. uh in quillette.com, My Former Life as a Radical.
3: Okay. What turned the guy around, did he say?
4: Uh, He gets into it, but again, it's 37 pages. So, uh, uh, two quickies for you. Why would a photographer face legal action from taking a picture of the Golden Gate Bridge? A million pictures are taken of the Golden Gate Bridge every month.
3: I took some just a couple of weeks ago. My uh, kids and I walked across.
4: Uh, You'd be lucky if you aren't uh, arrested. This guy is uh, facing charges because the bridge authority can tell he he took his picture from an illegal angle. What does that mean? He was trespassing on the rocks near the base of the bridge. He went around them on low tide, and they're demanding to confiscate the photos he took. Who's keeping
3: track of this stuff? There's cops harassing him. But who's who's scouring the internet for... The Golden Gate Bridge Districts. is is on him
4: they're demanding he delete or turn over the digital images and any profits he derives from them and the rest of it now this is controversial because he photoshopped a full moon on top of the bridge that's cheating to me you can't you can't combine a picture of the bridge
3: celestial uh well you're cheating the moon (laughs) cheating the moon
4: yeah (laughs) this guy cousin of mine bruce getty um says it's, uh, he loves taking pictures. I'm just a guy who likes to go on the rocks and get a unique angle of the bridge, and I'm not the only one who does it. Listen, it's a self-punishment, you bunch of babies. Cheating the moon. If he if he falls in the bay and drowns, well, then he's been punished, right? And then this. For some reason, you know, I was telling a friend the other day about uh, the, the awesome power, the near magical power of Janet Jackson's nipple back in, <laughs> what was that? Was that 2000? When was that?
3: Mm, A long time ago. Early two thousands.
4: It was so strange when uh, Janet Jackson, with the help of the the young pervert Justin Timberlake, two thousand four, um, who, who's now like ten years older than Mayor Pete, um, two thousand four. Thank you. When she unleashed uh, unleashed her areola and Nepal Nepal, as I prefer to pronounce it, um, TV freaked out, the NFL freaked out, and for some reason, radio freaked out. And there was a new plea for decency and and not naughty stuff. And you had Pink Floyd songs, which have been like mainstays of radio, and Steve Miller songs, and whatever that, that either said bull s or ass funky s going down in the city and and the rest of it. And you could no longer play those. It's
3: very <laughs> strange. Of Janet Jackson's nipple. Yeah, it, yeah.
4: It's and and he was like, "What, really?" Yeah, I said, "Yeah, trust me." Memos went out. We had to undergo obscenity training. Yanked various songs. And and then inexplicably, the Tom Petty song, um, uh, you don't know, it's like, let's uh, get to the point, let's roll another joint, had to be changed to, let's roll another moint.
3: <laughs> what's a moint?
4: <laughs> they edited in an M from a different verse, to, so nobody heard <laughs> joint on the radio. It was like, wait a minute. Anyway, um, so evidently uh, states are are really cracking down around the country on what they judge to be improper vanity license plates. And for more than a dozen years, Benny Hart drove around Ohio with his personalized license plate reading, I am G-O-D. I am God.
3: And you can't say that?
4: Well, in 2016, he moved to Kentucky, and the state denied him the plate, saying it broke rules
3: barring obscene, vulgar, and bad-taste messages. I am God. Alex Baller. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah. I'm all for uh, each state getting to decide on their own, and you decide whether you want to live there, but... um. That's interesting. Yeah, I guess Kentucky may be a
4: little more uh, reverent about uh, religion than Ohio. I don't know on average, um, but he, he he launched a legal battle, which he won, and a judge has just ordered the Kentucky transportation cabinet to reimburse Hart
3: one hundred fifty-one thousand dollars in attorney fees and court costs. The judge determined on what basis? Because they 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 eliminate all kinds of plates for different reasons right well it we went, don't have a right for a certain yeah it,
4: it went deep though he was arguing in court that you can't disprove the fact that he is god so he had a right to the oh, place. wow! more to come
1: the armstrong and getty show
2: before we get
3: back to unapproved personalized license plates, I just saw Richard Haas of the Council of on Foreign Relations out with an article saying the coronavirus is now the biggest challenge to the Communist Chinese Party since Tiananmen Square, which is something. Sounds about right. Um, Good. <clears throat> any, any challenge that will weaken them and perhaps bring them down someday it would be good for the world, not just good for the Chinese, good for the world. Oh, yeah. If anybody's going to put uh, people in... Um, Will take away the freedom of humans for forever. It would be China. They're the only ones that have the ability to do it, and the will, and the will, and the money, and possibly the money someday. So,
4: yeah, it, it reminds me it. of the my favorite libertarian uh, t shirt slash uh, slogan: uh, "Libertarians plotting in secret to take over the world and leave you alone." Uh, China's doing exactly the opposite. They're plotting to take over the world, quite literally, and run it according to their dictates.
3: And determine uh, where you live, what you do, how many kids you have, etc., etc.
4: And as we were discussing earlier, the state of California is heavily invested in some of the most terrible and oppressive uh, Mm. industries in China. Which is just so hilarious as they ban travel to 11
3: U.S. states because they're not woke enough. Are you effing kidding me? And two polls came out today while we've been on the air. Uh, big polls, ABC and NBC, doesn't matter which one's which, but one of them has Bernie with a 15-point lead. And the other one has Bernie doubling up the competition. He's in first, I think, at 28. Then you got four people tied for second at 14. Right. But he's opened up a giant national lead.
4: Here's my analysis, yeah, good. which uh, did not come true during the Trump thing. There are plenty of votes out there to beat him. They just haven't coalesced around a single candidate. Of course, they might not. And if they don't, then he wins. You have and to, then Republicans just guffaw.
3: You have to beat him soon, though, because of the way the Democrats do it. Republicans do winner take all states. The Democrats don't. So if you get behind, it becomes very difficult to catch up and beat somebody. Yeah. Because, you yeah. know... You can, if they get a bit of a lead, and then you start beating them by a little in some state, and you get one more delegate, okay, you won Alabama, and you <laughs> got one more delegate than right, they did. Right, Because they increased their number, too. So.
4: so true. Well, they'll be jawing at each other today, trying to kneecap Bernie and old man Bloomberg, no doubt. So this guy, Benny Hart, he, uh, he moved from Ohio to Kentucky, uh, a couple of lovely states there, and... um. And and he had a license plate that said I-M-G-O-D. Do we still have the tape handy? I should have asked you.
3: I am God. Yeah, exactly. And he meant it to say God. Yeah. Okay. So I am not God. not an acronym for something else. No, no, indeed. Great. I am God. Great on the dance floor or something like no, that. No, sir. Okay. Indeed. The obvious meaning. And uh,
4: Kentucky said, no, you can't. So he sued him. And, and and after quite a like a three-year
3: court battle. Why would you fight this hard for your personalized license plate? Well, he sees it as a First Amendment thing. Um, Boy, I don't, well, it is the government, but okay. But the state has
4: to reimburse him for all his legal fees and, and the rest of it. Hart, who was granted the license back in November after the court ruled that his First Amendment rights had been violated, explained his reasoning behind the plate. Listen, I can prove I'm God. You can't prove I'm not. Now, how can I prove I'm God? Well, there are six definitions for God in the American Heritage Dictionary. And number five is a very handsome man. And my wife says I'm a very handsome man. And nobody argues with my wife. So that's his reasoning.
3: I am God,
4: and he won, so he right. gets his silly, silly license. Good plate. for you. I just I don't I have don't... a silly license plate because I don't want anybody looking at me. Hmm. I just want uh, I want to whir along quietly down the road, right. call unmolested, the, Call the least attention. Don't molest
3: me. Oh, that's not what I was going to talk about. What was Bernie's that? out with a tweet? Our military is larger than these countries combined, and he lists off. 25 countries. It's always been true that we spend more money. It used to be true that we spent more money on, the mili- on uh, defense than every other country added together. China, unfortunately, has now made that not true, but we spend as much money as every other country added together except for China, mm-hmm. I think. Uh, anyway, Bernie lists all the countries who spend more and at the bottom he says, what if we invested in human needs to care for one another instead? Okay. Well, that sort of completely childlike view of the world Yeah, no kidding. Win or not, I don't know. Yeah. Now, we we should subject military
4: spending to close scrutiny. Oh, sure. Let's not be worshipful for it and toward it and, and throw zillions of dollars at stupid stuff. Number one, because a lot of money is wasted. A lot of money just goes to graft and profiteering. And a lot of money that should be going to our fighting men and women and their families is going to giant corporations because they're kissing a congressman's ass. So we're not for blind throwing money no, around wa- here. Wa- just-
3: Wasting it is the worst we could oh, possibly yeah. do because the threat of China is for freaking real. Yeah. And if there's, you can make a dang good argument, we're going to need to spend a heck of a lot more money in the near future to keep up with China. Right. So, anyway, a uh, total
4: change of topic. In fact, I think it's deserving of transition music. Michael, if you'd be so kind.
3: Speaking of communism,
4: sing along you know the words. Oh, 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 oh. All right, that's enough. That's enough. Turn it off! Turn it off! <laughs> Aubrey Huff is a baseball player. He was a baseball player. He played for the San
3: Francisco Giants. Manning first base in 2010 during the World Series run. He's a hell of a ball player, was, and is a hell of a wackadoo as well. In the 2012 World Series, he was an embarrassment. What? Yes. He had a rough go. Oh. How'd you do in the 2012 series? As good as Aubrey Huff. <laughs> <laughs> wow, but he was very in- he thought was I
4: very, had the upper hand there for a second. Andregold in-
3: of in- 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 the 2010,
4: yes, a hero of that series. Anyway,
3: with his uh, joking and whatnot, with his rally thong. Yeah, but he s- would wear a thong and claim he wore his rally thong. That's why they won, and then he'd hold up his thong. Oh Lord. Oh, that was gross. <laughs> oh boy. So um, he was disinvited by the Giants' board of directors for from the ten-year
4: anniversary celebration, which is stupid and absurd, and Aubrey has claimed that it's because he's a Trump supporter and a proud Republican and that he makes a bunch of uh, tasteless jokes on the Twitter machine. And it, it's been interesting. Do you have that article reprinted yet, Michael? Maybe you can have Hanson run that in there or whatever. Um, but he... Um, we, we got a lot of notes from folks, including those who are quite friendly to us in the show, and we appreciate you weighing in, and you're absolutely more than welcome to disagree um, if you want, but uh, like Greg, for instance, he wrote us a nice note
3: saying, um, and he heard an interview he did with a different San Francisco uh, station. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta jump in and saying I haven't seen the tweets from Aubrey Huff. I keep hearing he got disinvited because he likes Trump and his tweets. Yeah, well, liking Trump is a terrible reason, but I haven't seen the tweets, so I can't comment on those. Well, here's one, for instance.
4: Um, well, let me let me finish Greg's thing, then I'll I'll get to the specifics, but um, it. It's clear there were other reasons. He made multiple comments in this interview that were shocking and chauvinistic. He also commented that women shouldn't be coaching men's sports, and men shouldn't be coaching women's sports, and wouldn't know why a man would want to coach a woman's team, uh, because they're too much trouble or something like that. Uh, his, in a now-deleted tweet about Iranian women, the full text of the tweet read, Let's get a flight over and kidnap about 10 Iranian women each. We can bring them back here as they fan us and feed us grapes, amongst other things. Um, blah, blah, blah.
3: What topic was he on when he was tweeting that?
4: Uh, he just, he, he, uh,
3: who knows? What's the context of that? Well, see, that is my problem with this whole thing.
4: Why are you even asking? Since when do we scrutinize the jokes made, the sense of humor of ball players from a championship 10 years ago and only bring them back if they pass muster? You're telling me you're, you're, say you're, well, let's stay in San Francisco. You're 49ers, some anniversary team. There wasn't a single defensive lineman who ever, uh, I don't know, raised his hand to a woman or, or beat somebody up in college or committed something truly or horrific. Or dropped
3: an N bomb somewhere. Right. Or exactly. As opposed to making dumb
4: jock jokes on Twitter. Why are you even asking the question? This and and and, and Greg, you seem like a long uh, nice guy, long time fag friend Armstrong and Getty and and very respectful and I appreciate it, but so what if he thinks women shouldn't coach in sports? You're not part of cancel culture now that he can't be part of the World Series win he was part of because he's
3: got retrograde or dumb views. Of women coaching? As the team who just hired a the first female coach in Major League Baseball.
4: That's a good point. Right. And, and the Niners have a female coach, too. So this guy was on the team, period. Okay, this is a nice opportunity to talk about women coaching. You think it's a good idea? Bring it up in the context of Aubrey Huff. You start canceling ball players from anniversary celebrations because they have dumb opinions or make dumb jokes. You're going to have a hell of a lot of guys missing. This is, this is the sort of just pearl clutching. Pansy baby cancel culture stuff I can't stand You're not endorsing his point of view Here's what you're endorsing The fact that he was on the 2010 team Now if he killed his entire family And got off on a technicality Okay, alright I'll have that conversation with you If he has dumb views of women coaching You're going to cancel him. Come on, people By the way, speaking of pansy babies He did an interview with the game's Joe, Lowe, and Dibs show to defend himself that they kicked him off the air after eight minutes because he wouldn't apologize for his jokes. You bunch of babies. Said one of the hosts after he was on, you know what, he's exactly the turd he makes himself out to be on social media.
3: Dropping a (laughs) T-bomb. I don't like that word. Listen. I don't think it was meant to be flattering. <laughs> I,
4: well, listen, I just don't get you people. You're, you're obsessed with, with expressing your own righteousness and feel the need to run everybody through its filter. Have him out there, because he was on the team, then say anything you want. About his views of women or coaching or whatever, and you know, you know who's going to be damaged by him being there? Nobody in any way. That gal who's the coach in the Giants, she's plenty strong enough to endure the presence of Aubrey freaking Huff on the field for five minutes, as the announcer says, "You're 2010 World Series champions, you bunch of babies." This is the softening of America, Jack. Put on a diaper. We're a nation of babies. He fra- is like a little baby. Powder my ass. I'm such a little baby. Wow. I need you looking out for me. Where's my mama's warm, warm teat? Because wow. I'm an infant in this teat. scenario, apparently.
0: wow,
4: It's unbelievable. What <laughs> happened to the country I love? You having a good time, Joe?
3: <laughs> oh, man. Should you be able to name the Mexican president to be president of the United States? That uh, came up over the weekend. What do you mean, name? Like nominate? What's who, the name? In, what's the name of the president? Oh, oh of Mexico? you be able to name him? Yes. I, oh. Do you know the name of the president? I of Mexico? happen to know his name. Yeah. I don't. Yeah, I because it sounds like Labrador. Okay.
4: And I have a Labrador
3: <laughs> Retriever. <laughs> but a uh, couple candidates didn't, and is that a problem? Among other things, on the way.
1: Armstrong and Getty.
3: is from some website called Mediate? Oh, Mediate. Yeah. Okay. Klobuchar tells Latino workers her nickname was Elena in grade school Spanish class gets mocked for hispandering.
4: Hispandering. The Latinx community. All right. I'll just uh, read this. George Zimmerman is suing Warren and Buttigieg, Bootigig, Boot Edge Edge, Edge Edge, they say. How could I forget that? Edge Edge. Uh, he's suing them over alleged defamation in discussing the Trayvon Martin case. You know who could sue is the cop who was involved in the, uh, Michael Brown, f- Michael Brown, Ferguson, Missouri thing. The guy's, he has no interest in, no. I think, becoming a symbol of anything. I think he probably just wants to live a quiet life, but he could absolutely sue the pants. Off of Liz Warren, who has quite directly slandered him.
3: And, uh, Called Kamala, him a murderer. Kamala Harris. And Kamala Harris, yeah. Um, who's got the debate tonight? Uh, I don't even know what channel it's on. No. I can figure that out. Not huge. Is it MSC? Check your local listings. But anyway, so over the weekend, there was some sort of, uh, get together of the candidates, and several of them couldn't name who the current president of Mexico is. Amy Klobuchar and Tom Steyer couldn't name it, and then, um, uh, Buttigieg went with a guess. He said, "I think it's," and he had the right name, but he clearly like wasn't positive. Yeah. Anyway, I don't care. I don't think it's a big deal. And Amy Klobuchar was asked about it today, and said...
4: Lopez Obrador Retriever. Okay, that's how I remember. Um, is uh, it
2: the guy in the Dos Equis commercial?
4: Yeah, he that's is the, the most guy. interesting president in the world. That's correct, Michael. Yeah.
3: Um, uh, Amy Klobuchar said, "Running for president is not a game of jeopardy." I agree with her one hundred percent. But if those had been Republican candidates. Not naming the president of Mexico, that would have been a giant story. Yeah, the mockery could. would
4: have gone far and yeah, wide because there would uh, be enthusiasm for it.
3: Yeah, because uh, conservatives are always stupid and aren't as worldly, and that's always a big thing. Everybody knows that. Yep. So, I remember when President Bush couldn't name, God, the president of some obscure country. Oh, yeah, it's he, like the, the, the premier of Kazakhstan You or probably should know the president of Mexico, but Bush couldn't name somebody when he was running. They made a giant deal out of that. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. That was so incredibly unfair. You got people for that. Anyway, um, so speaking of the
4: world, a couple of A and G listeners, we actually have the the privilege, pleasure, etc. of having folks listening literally all over the world. We will talk about Afghanistan, and people will write emails from Kabul, or in this case, on the topic of the coronavirus. Not to be confused with the Doseki's virus, the most interesting virus in the world. Got this note from Kate. Uh, This is the same Kate who wrote us the other day informing us that they were training monkeys to harvest coconuts in Singapore. Mm. I can't remember. Anyway, uh, uh, I I was on quarantine, she writes, but it ends today, yesterday. I'm a single gal, so I register my vacations with the State Department. That's smart. Let them know where you're going to be, and et cetera. Then you check out when you've left, and if you don't check out, wow. they they send somebody looking for you. Wow. Anyway, uh, somehow received a newsflash from the CDC asking me to self isolate because where I where I'd been. Being a healthcare pr- practitioner, I felt an obligation, so I did it. Honestly, I got so much done around the house I should write a book. It was really better than it might seem.
3: Then she mentions she no, As I've said yesterday, I would love getting a 14 uh, day quarantine. Yeah. I no wouldn't kidding. actually because I don't want to be away from my kids, but it'd be a great vacation. Then she mention,
4: mentions she's uh... fagsto, friend of Armstrong and Getty since day one. Wow. Don't ask me how old I am. <laughs> no need to remind either one of us how long that is. We'll be with you till the end. That's Kate. Thanks, Kate. That's sweet. Final thoughts
1: with ANG.
3: Yeah. Does she know something? Here's your host for Final Thoughts, Joe Getty. Oh, sooner or later, Sean. Let's be realistic. <laughs> uh, we didn't
4: get a chance to get this email from a guy who's got a first-hand report from how things are going in China, but we'll get to it tomorrow. Let's get a final thought from everybody on the crew to wrap things up. There he is, Michelangelo, pressing the buttons in the control
2: room. Final thought? I know I mentioned this yesterday, but I still want all the candidates to dress up like farmers and look over at Bloomberg. I want it to be like the cast of the old TV show Hee Haw, <laughs>
3: you know? Nice. Positive, Sean, your final thoughts? My predictions for the debate tonight. Bloomberg goes after Bernie. Everyone else goes after Bloomberg, and I think that's a tactical mistake. Yeah. Mm, good one. We shall see. I'm bringing you the highlights tomorrow. Jack, final thought for us? If you weren't listening earlier, I threw up right before the show started today. I've not thrown up since, although I feel like I'm going to. Several listeners probably have. Um,
4: <laughs> so, anyway. So I'm sorry to hear that. I hope you feel better soon. My final thought as I glance over here to my glasses, which I'm about to put back on, um, I tried three times to clean them today, and the first time they got worse. The second time, <laughs> that
3: always s- happens to me when I clean my glasses. The time someti- the second time they got somewhat better. The third time, it was just
4: a break even. I have, I have built, I have designed, I have written things that took weeks and months that were much easier than getting my damn glasses. Cleaned. I've never been Who able do you to clean glasses. Know?
3: They're clean when I get them. Right. And they're clean at the eye doctors. They've got some special magic. I've had the cloth. I've had the squirty stuff. That ain't it. I still can't get them clean.
4: You know how Jerry Lewis famously put on a new pair of socks every day? Uh That was his, I'm rich, I can do this thing. I'm going to buy a stack of a 1,000 of those cleaning cloths for my glasses. And as soon as one gets the slightest bit used, I'm going to throw it away. (laughs) Or donate it to the poor. The poor and bespectacled. (laughs)
3: Armstrong and Getty, we're having another grueling four-hour workday. So
4: many people, thanks so a little time. Go to armstrongandgetty.com. All the podcasts are there, easily downloaded. You can contact us, mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com.
3: See you tomorrow. God
4: bless
2: America.
1: You having a good time? Okay, I, I did not say okay. that.
2: I've sat here for over three hours and 15 minutes.
1: <laughs> That's fun. If you wish to leave, you may. Let me just say how very, very dismaying and disappointing. Not
3: uh, good. And just... Change the channel from this mesmerizing horror show. We'll be better tomorrow than we were today. And we heard the words, it's over for me. Adios,
4: mofo. Okay, so we're, you're, we're dismissed, is that correct? Do you
3: want to rephrase
4: uh, what you're doing? Uh, I've worn sunglasses in my own kitchen. I'm uh, not proud of it. <laughs> Armstrong and Getty.